You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Lance, and I am one of the pastors here. I am really excited to be uh, speaking with you guys this morning. Usually, I'm a few steps back, either on the drums or playing guitar, so it's fun to be a few steps forward, be able to speak with you guys. Uh, so we are, we are in a message series called How to Bounce Back. We've been focusing on the idea that's in uh, this verse in Isaiah 61.3. It says, He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. So God is the master of bouncing back. As this verse says, he turns ashes into beauty. He turns mourning into blessing. He turns despair into praise, and he turns little seeds into massive trees. Now, each message in this series, we have focused on a word that has the prefix R-E in it, which means to come back from. So we've talked about resurrection, we've talked about the words repent and reborn, and today we are talking about the word redeem. Now, I have a, a wife, Crystal, and a daughter, Annie. I've got a picture of Annie up here for you. She's it's just a good excuse to show a cute picture of my daughter. Um, but when Annie was first born, uh, within those first couple weeks, we, we had her in a little bassinet in our room. And um, every time I would get up throughout the night, Crystal would kind of nudge me and say, hey, can you, can you get the baby? So Annie was usually in one of two places. She was either in her bassinet in our room or she was over with, with Crystal. Now, after a few weeks, we moved Annie into her room and moved her into her little crib and so similar scenario happened. Crystal nudged me and said, hey, can you, can you go, grab, go grab Annie? So I walked around the bed. I looked in the bassinet. She wasn't there. And so I thought, okay, she's over with Crystal. And so I walked over to Crystal, and I leaned over and picked up what I thought was Annie. It turned out to be a pillow. <laughs> so Crystal swatted it out of my hands, which I was, you know, I thought she just swatted the baby out of my hands. So I was, I was pretty shocked and scared. Um, and once I sort of woke up and realized what happened, um, we, we all started laughing about it. But in just a few weeks, I had established a pattern, and I was set in it. And it caused me to mistake a pillow for a baby. And we all do this on, on an, an even greater scale. We develop deep patterns of living. We all get set in those patterns. And the problem is that what comes natural to us is not what God wants us to do. Read this in Luke 16, 15. God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. So God does not want us to do what comes natural to us, those, those deep patterns of living that we just naturally do. He doesn't want us to just go along doing what we think is best. He wants to redeem what is highly detestable in our hearts. Now, the word redeem has to do with buying something back. When you redeem a coupon, you are trading that in for something. So to be redeemed by Christ means that his blood paid for the death that we deserved, and he saved us. So that's, that's called salvation. We were saved. We were rescued. Now, once that big act of salvation occurs, it doesn't stop there. He redeemed us not just to save us, but to redeem every single moment of our lives from the old way that we live to the new way. Jesus took us on from one path and put us on another. So here is the, the V shape, the bounce of redemption. Before is the old way of life, and after is the new way of life. 
Now, Paul, an early church starter, he expressed this really well in Philippians 2, 12 through 13. He says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So this says, continue to work out your salvation. Now, this does not mean that somehow we work for our salvation. No, salvation is by God's grace alone, not by our works. But it does mean that God intends for our salvation to work its way into the details of our lives. And this takes intentionality on our part. Uh, Paul, writing to a church in Ephesus, uh, he said these words in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So he says, be very careful then how you live. Now, very careful here in this passage is the picture of an acrobat. So like an acrobat, they are careful. They're aware of every move that they make. Any, any shift in body weight, they counteract it with an appropriate shift. They're very well, they're very well aware of what they're doing and, and how that interacts with them staying on the tightrope as this guy is up here. Now, just as an acrobat is careful to make the right moves, we have to be intentional with how we spend our time. And the way we ensure that we're not foolish is that we understand what the Lord's will is. So I'm going to walk us through three main ideas that will help this idea of redeeming our time uh, implement it into our lives. So the first idea is time represents opportunity. Time represents opportunity. The Greek word that is translated as opportunity in Ephesians 5.16 is kairos. And this word can be translated as time or even as always. But the idea here is that we have been given a certain amount of time, a season of time. Some of us are going to live till we're 90, 100. Others of us are going to be in the 20s, 30s, and anywhere in between or before that. None of us knows how much time we are given. But God has given us time, and he's given us time to be used for his purposes. So time represents opportunity. Now, another way to say making the most of every opportunity is buying up the opportunity or redeeming the opportunity. The time is not neutral. It's a commodity that can be used rightly or wrongly. It's either used as God wants it to be used or not. And God wants us to use the time that he has given us to do things that are wise, not foolish. So those small choices that we make every single day, those are opportunities to do what God wants or to not do what God wants. There are opportunities for us to redeem the time that God has given us. Now, we think of time as something that we just sort of get to do whatever we want with. Um, sort of the, the typical path that we go is we go to school, we get a good job, we make lots of money, we retire well, we see the world, and then maybe we do some random fun things in the process just to look kind of a little bit unique to everybody. Now, those are not bad things, but the question is, are these the only things that God wants us to accomplish with our time? So our time should be used to redeem the opportunities that God gives us. Whether you're, you're on a dream vacation or whether you're going through a really difficult struggle right now, God wants us to use the time that we've been given 
in a way that honors him. Now, this shows up not just in massive decisions that affect our whole life immediately. More often and more commonly, opportunities are the small, subtle choices that happen throughout our days. And out of those choices flows a life that is either wise or foolish. So none of us, as we approach these opportunities, none of us will be perfect in this life. No one will use the time that they've been given in a way that is, that is perfectly wise. We all will fall short. So the goal here is progress, not perfection. But our standard is perfection. Jesus is the only perfect person to have lived on this earth. Uh, I have a visual representation of the spiritual growth process here. And uh, starting on the, on the left side, this, is, this sort of describes how we grow in life and, and how we can become more Christ-like and what that process is like. So we start out as the natural person. This is before we come to know Christ. Uh, we are, we're in sin. Uh, we have not been saved from our sin yet. So that, that's sort of how we start. When we come to know Christ, we become a baby in Christ. So there's this little seed, there's this opportunity, uh, the Holy Spirit in us that's starting to grow in us and starting to uh, pull us towards the right things, the, the things that are redeeming our time for, for good. And over time, as we choose to put God's word into practice, uh, we, we grow and we become a child, we, we become mature. But in this life, there's no point at which we become perfect. Like I said, the only person to live a perfect life was Jesus. So our goal is, as we approach situations, as we approach our time, is to transform those, those opportunities to be what, what Christ would do. Um, so th the goal of Christian living is to be transformed into the image of Christ. Now, when we fail, and we all will fail, we bounce back, we get back up, and we try again, and we keep redeeming the opportunities that God has given us. So uh, that was point number one. Time represents opportunity. Point number two is that buying up opportunities requires sacrifice. Now, sacrifice is something that is given up for something else. Now, this can be a person that sacrifices themselves for others, or this could be money that's sacrificed for food. Now, to buy something, you are exchanging one thing for another. And to buy up an opportunity means that there is a sacrificial transaction that must happen. And this transaction requires that we sacrifice something that we want to do with our time in order to act on an opportunity that God puts in front of us. Now, there are three common things that I have found uh, that we're just going to work through that, that I have had to sacrifice, and I think this will be really helpful. Uh, this is not an exhaustive list of things that we have to sacrifice in order to buy up the opportunities that God gives us. Uh, but th these are three things. Uh, so sacrifice number one is my desires. We see an example of this in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. It says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but, also, but each of you to the interests of the others. So verse 4 said, Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now, most opportunities will come when we are busy doing something. We see an opportunity come up, but we have this thing that we plan to do over here, and it looks like an inconvenience. It looks like something that we don't want to do. It looks like a detour or an annoyance uh, rather than an opportunity. Um, so a few weeks ago, I was sitting on the couch. Uh, me and my wife were watching some TV, and my wife asked me for a glass of water. Now, 
you know what the first thought that came to my head was? Why can't you grab the glass of water? Why do I need to grab the glass of water? You know, I'm thinking, well, my, my comfort, uh, we're, we're in the same situation here. Why do, why do I have to sacrifice for you when you could just get up and, and get your own water? Uh, that's a pretty selfish thought. <laughs> I know as you guys are kind of chuckling, you guys understand that thought, but that's a pretty selfish thought. Instead of selfishness being my first reaction, I have to work to improve those reactions and say, you know what? It would really love my wife if I just got up, got the glass of water, and didn't try and somehow make her feel bad for it in the process. <laughs> if I actually just got up and said, sure, went and did it. So the question for this sacrifice, sacrificing my desires, is where are you putting your desires above someone else's? Is there an opportunity that you're missing because you're putting your wants as the top priority? So buying up the opportunities requires sacrifice, requires sacrificing my desires, and it requires, sacrifice number two, is my pride. Uh, Jesus set the example for us in this. In Philippians 2, 5 through 7, it says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So in order for Jesus to make the ultimate sacrifice for us, he had to humble himself. It says here that he took on the very nature of a servant. Now, our, our culture trains us to take pride in everything, to be the best at, at whatever we do. We have this sense that we deserve certain things, or that if we've worked really hard for something, that it is somehow us who have been the cause of that success, when really success, is, success comes from God. And often the opportunities that God puts in our path require us to serve, and service, it just does not sound fun. We want to be served. We actually work really hard to be served. We make money so that we can pay people to serve us, not the other way around. So as Jesus did, we have to humble ourselves to whatever God has for us to do. And when I was a senior in high school, I was convinced that I was going to stay around here for school. Um, I grew up here. I loved the beach. I was a lifeguard at the beach, and that was, I loved the sort of beach culture and surfing and all that kind of stuff. So um, I was convinced I was going to go to college around here. Now, during my senior year, my sister went to the University of Oklahoma, so I went to go visit her. And uh, during my time there, uh, she was there and I had some other friends there. During my time there, uh, it was very clear to me that God wanted me to go to Oklahoma for school. And as I came back and I wrestled with that, and then I started telling people, I think I think I need to go to Oklahoma for school. Uh, people didn't really get that. <laughs> that didn't make a ton of sense to them. Um, there was, there was, the reason I wanted to go there was there was a neat on-campus Christian ministry that I wanted to be a part of, and it seemed like they were doing some really neat things. But as I told my friends back here, as I told my, my lifeguard buddies especially, they were like, why would you go to Oklahoma? What, where is Oklahoma, and why would you <laughs> go there? Do they have cars? You know, they, they, it just was a kind of a confusion point for them. So, but I had to do what God wanted me to do, despite what other people thought of me. And that was tough for me to do. I had to, I had to humble myself to do what God wanted me to do. And when we do what God wants us to do, we often look really odd to the world. The opportunities that God has for us, it often comes with the risk of looking really weird to people. 
But doing what God wants us to do is more important than what other people think of us. Now, as I went to Oklahoma, I did see God redeem me more and more. I was around people who challenged me. I met my wife, so that was a huge win. Um, So there is benefit to humbling ourselves to what God has for us. And over time, this can actually really build credibility in people's eyes. If we do things out of obedience to God, they see a life that is built on a godly foundation, not on a foundation that's all based off of what we think others would, would want us to do or what is acceptable to others. So that's sacrifice number two is my pride. Sacrifice number three is my plans. So again, Jesus set the example for us in giving up his plans. Philippians 2.8 says this, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus had to submit himself to the Father's plan. As it said, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That was, that was not what Jesus wanted to do, but that's what the Father had for him to do. Now, a normal idea that we have is, is that we make our own destiny, that we are each individual stars, that we can dream whatever we want to, and it will happen. And we know this guy in his classic quote, if you can dream it, you can do it. Now, unfortunately, people, and by people, I mean you and me, we often believe this. We live our lives with this as our motto. The reality is hard work does often pay off, but there are some dreams that are not a reality for me or you. The truth is that we are living in a world where God calls the shots. He has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. Ephesians 2.10 is, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now this is exciting. This means the God of the universe, the one who created all things, he actually has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for you. He has a role for you to play that is so much better than anything that you could dream up yourself. In Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart. So we all make plans, and this is actually a really good thing. God, God give, gave us brains so that we could use them, and it's, it's good to plan. But we have to keep the second half of this verse in perspective. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's the Lord's purpose that prevails, not ours. So we have to try everything that we can to get on the same page with God. So we make plans, but with those plans, we have it in our heart to say, if God wills it. So, meaning, it's okay if my plans fail, and God wants me to do something different. That's okay. Now, a great example of this is found in Acts 16, 25 through 34. Paul was traveling with Silas. Silas was a leader in the early church. He helped Paul start uh, and encourage many of the early churches. So they were going around the Mediterranean Sea and sharing the gospel and starting churches everywhere that they went. They were thrown in jail because some people were opposed to what they were doing. So there's uh, this story in Acts 16 that I'd like to read. Acts 16, 25 through 34. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. 
The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in, the, in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So Paul and Silas, their plan was not to be thrown in jail. Uh, They had also not planned the earthquake that happened. But they were in tune with what God was doing through those circumstances. In those days, the consequence for a Roman soldier losing or allowing a prisoner to escape was death. So the jailer was doing what he thought he deserved. But Paul and Silas, they they used it as an opportunity to share the gospel with this jailer. And through that, the jailer came to know Christ, and then after that, his whole family came to know Christ. Now, it's not every day that this exact situation happens to us. I'm not sure the last time you were in jail and an earthquake happened and that whole situation. But that's actually what is so great about this idea of redeeming our time, because it's about partnering with God in whatever situation you find yourself in. You could be at the grocery store, getting groceries for the day. You could be at work, working on a project, or at home, uh, doing some chores around the house, and you can still be on the lookout, like Paul and Silas were, for opportunities to redeem. So God's plan for Paul and Silas was different than they had planned. So the question here is, where are your plans failing where God has an opportunity for you to redeem? Now, since God is not physically in front of us to follow, we follow him as he puts opportunities in our way. So every day, it's, it's a set of choices. Do I follow God now or not? Do I sacrifice my desires, my pride, my plans to buy up the opportunities that God has for me today? So we've talked overall that our time represents opportunity, that buying up opportunities requires sacrifice, and next, a pattern of sacrifice requires training. The more often than not, we are head down. We're focused on what's on our task list. So I know every day I, I start my day and I have a, a full task list and I want to just get to that thing as soon as possible. And I have my plans for the day. The more often we're, we're aloof to what God has for us to do. And when something does not come natural to us, like buying up the, these opportunities, when something does not come natural to us, It requires training in order for it to become natural to us. So we have to work to build this category into our life. Now, I mentioned earlier that I was a lifeguard at the beach. So for six summers throughout high school and college, I was a lifeguard uh, for uh, Huntington State Beach. And my job, yeah, you'll see a wonderful picture of me (laughs) up there. It's old or young Lance. Uh, My job was to uh, ensure the safety of the public, Uh, so I made countless rescues and medical aids and did all that kind of stuff. Now, as a 17-year-old, do you think I just walked up and said, I'd like to be a lifeguard? And they said, great, go right on into the tower. Well, no, they they said, great, can you do all these things, and then we're going to train you. And so there was a long process of training that went into that that decision for me uh, that, that, that I wanted to be a lifeguard. 
And even after I became a lifeguard, training continued. I had to requalify each year. I had to retest each year and retrain each year. And this is the same for other positions that require sacrifice. Firefighters, policemen, those in the armed forces, they don't just decide one day that they're going to sacrifice, and they do it. They train to sacrifice. They actually go through boot camp or academies, and they prove to their supervisors that they are capable of sacrificing themselves for others. So that decision to sacrifice moves them to action to train for it. And this is the same with us. To sacrifice, to buy up opportunities, we have to train for it. Paul says these words in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So it takes intentional practice to recognize what an opportunity is and how to appropriately act. You know, a special ops team in the military, they train in order to, to prepare for missions, to work out all the kinks in performance, and to ensure all the parts of the team are working seamlessly in order to accomplish missions. Now, what day do we, do we prepare for? What mission? Is our mission on Sundays? You know, we put on our sacrificial attitudes and we come to church? Well, yes, but not just then. We are living in the midst of our mission because God sees every single moment as an opportunity to be redeemed. Now, our mission as a church is this. It's thoughtfully inviting broken people to experience transformation in Christ. Now, that mission goes beyond the walls of this church, into our relationships, into our realms of influence, and should influence how we interact with others. And the way that we train for this mission to redeem our time for God's purposes is, is twofold. It requires team effort and individual effort. So I'm going to walk through each of these. Team effort is, is what we'll start with. Now, the kind of training on a special ops team is not training done in isolation. People, they train with other, other people and under the authority of other people. So we train with others because we realize that we could be unwise on our own. We could be foolish on our own. So we need to team. God's primary vehicle for training in godliness is the community of the church. So I have a few suggestions um, to team to train as part of the church. So here at Seabreeze, we have a strategy uh, that's this, engage in a learning environment. So as those opportunities come up, take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, for example, Dale mentioned the getting a grip on the Bible class that's happening next service. That's a great example of a class that's coming up uh, where you can engage in a learning environment. But those types of things come up periodically, uh, whether they're conferences or classes. Uh, those are great opportunities to train. Another one is growth groups. So we're in the middle of a growth group season right now. But this is a great opportunity to team with others and learn uh, from each other and be able to see examples of how are other people walking with God. Another one is to volunteer on a team here. So there's a lot of jobs and a lot of things that happen here on Sundays and throughout the week. Um, to, so to jump in and get plugged in and help out what's happening here is an opportunity um, that, that is team effort in this, in this training. And then in general, just get plugged in here at Seabreeze. Be known by others. We move forward in large part as we are known by and encouraged by each other. So when you come on Sundays or other events, introduce yourself to people. Get to know people uh, and, and get to know others. So that, that's team effort in training. And then there's also individual effort that is required. Now, what makes a team effective is often the individual effort team members put into it. 
So on a special ops team, there are individuals, they're working out, they're staying fit, they're making sure they're in, they're in peak performance. They're individually putting the work in to learn the mission to be excellent at all the skills re required for their job. Now in the church, there are a few training workouts that are vital, and I have three suggestions for you. Uh, the first training exercise is reading the Bible. Get to know what God's ways are for yourself. Um, if you're not already doing this, I would recommend spend just 15 minutes in the morning before you start your day. Read a chapter in the Bible. If you haven't started anywhere, I would recommend starting in the, the book of Mark. It uh, goes through Jesus' life and, and describes that. It's very helpful. Uh, so just consider, as you're reading, consider how that applies to your day today. The next individual exercise is prayer. So this is incorporating God into your day. So pray and ask God to just for help as you live today, help implement the things that you've read and, and um, be aware of the opportunities that he has for you today. Uh, one thing I've done periodically is I set a reminder on my phone. I set an alarm on my phone that just says pray. Uh, it's one of the most helpful interruptions throughout the day because it reminds me, oh yeah, God, I, gotta, I, I, I have to think about that. <laughs> and it, it allows my eyes to be open to those opportunities that God has for me. Uh, the third uh, suggestion here is evaluate. So at the end of your day, take a couple minutes to evaluate yourself. Think about your day. Be thoughtful about your day. In that time, determine how have I done buying up the opportunities that God has for me today? Where did I fail, maybe? Where did I do really good? And then look for opportunities uh, for improvement. That way you can work on that the next day. Now, after uh, this service, uh, you will stand up. You will start heading out to your cars, and you might nod and smile to a few people, uh, head home to lunch um, or, or out to lunch. Uh, I want to encourage you to not run on autopilot. Don't do what comes natural. Give thought to your ways and ask God how he wants you to use your time and what opportunities he has for you today, right now, uh, throughout this week and throughout this year. So let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you uh, for just this, this idea of redemption. Lord, that we have been redeemed um, through Christ's sacrifice for us, that our lives are now on, on a separate track, that, we, um, that you've given us power to, to work on and put into practice the things that, that you want us to. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that our time is an opportunity to do what you want us to do. And that, um, Lord, I pray that you give us um, just the, the courage to sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed to buy up the opportunities that you have for us. Um, Lord, and I, I pray that you would, as training opportunities come up, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to take advantage of those. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would uh, help us to put in the work to, to understand you, to get to know you, and uh, to form our lives uh, and in, in to, to be more like you. Uh, Lord, we thank you. Uh, for uh, this morning, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church podcast.